Next on BYU Sports Station, men's hoops grinds out a win in Logan, winning another tough row game with defense and a cannon blast. Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams were trending in the NFL yesterday. We'll tell you why. And which BYU Cougar had the best weekend ever? Ronnie Jones-Perry has to be on that list. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Station is live. Happy Monday, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere, December 4th. Wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with everyone's favorite snow weathercaster, Jerem Jordan. It happened, but it took a while to get snow in Utah. And uh, here we are, finally on the ground, December 4th. But what a weekend for BYU Athletics. The best weekend of the sports season, by far. And Football did didn't we give us it? much. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, so here we are. It was a great weekend for a lot of teams and people. So a loaded show today. Don't miss it. Uh, what a weekend for BYU sports. Yeah, I'd like to fast forward to the headlines because it was a good weekend. So let's do it. It's your BYU Sports Nation headline. Always nice to win in Logan in front of the herd. BYU beats ah. Utah State 75-66. Yoli Childs and McKay Cannon leading the way with 17 points each. Yoli had eight rebounds in that win. It was ugly to start. It's becoming a theme, Jerem. BYU finding a way to win games with defense and clutch performance down the stretch. More on this game coming up a little bit later. Women's volleyball advanced to its sixth straight Sweet 16 with a sweep of Oregon. The Ducks received by Martindale. Haddock to Perry to finish it off! Oh, how sweet it is! BYU, six straight Sweet 16s. Best team, best program on campus. What they do year in and year out is unbelievable. They play Kentucky, the four seed, BYU's 13th seed, Friday on ESPNU. Ronnie Jones-Perry, 27 kills in three sets. (laughs) Copper Hill's finest. What a performance from Ronnie Jones-Perry. 27. Her season high was 34. She did that in five sets. Yeah. I've never seen 27 in three sets. Like, that's unbelievable. The head coach, Heather Olmstead, by the way, 87-10 and 10 in three seasons at BYU. Get that lady a race. 87 wins to 10 losses. Okay, that was great and all, right? Really good weekend for BYU women's volleyball. Uh, in the NFL, a couple of former Cougars had outstanding weekends of their own. Jamal Williams with a career day. 21 carries, 113 yards, going over 100 for the first time with the Green Bay Packers. He also scored a touchdown. And Taysom Hill had two tackles for the Saints. Yes, I said tackles. As well as a disrupted punt and a Saints win over the Carolina Panthers. Taysom Hill is playing on special teams now. He's the third-string quarterback. He stole the show in a weird way yesterday. Okay, listen to this. Head coach Sean Payton had high praises for Hill. As Fox analyst Troy Aikman reported, Payton not only likes Taysom Hill, he loves Taysom Hill. And their future quarterback is Taysom Hill, Aikman said. We've had Saints games in two of the past three weeks. And in our production meetings, we've spent more time talking about Taysom Hill than anybody else on the roster. Sean Payton absolutely loves him. So Taysom Hill pulling a 2011 Riley Nelson and playing some special teams. When he came off the field, speaking of Taysom Hill, after that first special teams tackle and slapped high fives with his head coach, Sean Payton, he literally gave the, the, goofy, smi- that was the, the smiling emoji <laughs> like this. face. 
<laughs> like it was the, the most awkward smile ever. He's yeah. such a proud father yeah. in that moment. He was beaming. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that was fun to watch. <laughs> so awkward. Plenty of reason to rise and chat. It's time for what's trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. Weekend winning ways. We needed this weekend. After the football season that BYU football endured. BYU football? We had to endure it. Yeah, everybody endured it, didn't they? In their own right. Some people even paid money, Spencer, to watch that. (laughs) Jeez. We needed something positive. And then an overflow of it came in the form of men's basketball. Winning in Logan again, 75-66. BYU women's volleyball gets back to a sixth consecutive sweet 16 they'll now take on Kentucky and then what the dynamic duo of Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams did there for their respective NFL teams yesterday it was a fantastic weekend which brings us to our Twitter question which BYU Cougar past or present had the best weekend use the hashtag BYUSN weigh in at laser sheep Jamal Williams had the best weekend five plus per carry helped his team win did it all with swag at the NFL level it was huge there was a uh, stiff arm down the field, a little dancing from Jamal. Uh, it was a good day. At uh, uh, Second was, I forgot we have the 280 characters, so they're long tweets. Yeah. Second was McKay Cannon, who's producing at a high level. There he is, at a high level right <laughs> out of the gate. He shows heart, hustle, and desire. Okay, my, my number one uh, you know, performance over the weekend, Jamal Williams. Yeah. First 100-yard game, feature guy now. Okay, there have been some injuries and whatnot. He's he's the main running back. First Lambo leap, by the way, that's significant. He had scored but couldn't leap because they were losing at the end of a game. So he got his first Lambo leap, five point four yards per carry. What a performance from Jamal! So fun to see him succeed. Honorable mention to Taysom Hill, though. The fact that Taysom isn't just buried on the bench; he gets out on the field. We know he's uh, a heck of an athlete. I said he's the best, uh, most athletic quarterback BYU's had ever. And that's including Steve Young. So good to see Taysom Hill get out there and do stuff. And that's not to undermine men's hoops and women's volleyball at all. I just think it was great to see Jamal do what he did. There is no wrong answer to this question, Correct. by the way. Well, no, there's there's no wrong answer. <laughs> oh, sure there is. If you're like women's hoops, all like, of the individuals, okay, of the people that we have brought <laughs> up thus far. Uh, for me, Jeremy, it's Taysom Hill because of the limelight that was cast on him. So much lime. Well, yeah. And uh, Taysom got his lime yesterday, okay? (laughs) There was so much attention paid to him during that broadcast, and not just for what he did on special teams, but more on the he's in the building commentary. Those are the words of his head coach, Sean Payton, meaning he's the future quarterback of the Saints. That's surprising to me. Like, the post-Drew Brees era is Taysom Hill right now. I mean, things change. Doesn't mean Taysom Hill will be the guy, but he's in position to be the guy is what that statement is. They love him Hmm. and went as far as to say he's in the building. He is the future of this team. Is he Elvis? He's in the building? Whatever. It just means that he is a big deal in his head coach's mind and they like his skill set, which is like the ultimate validation coming from Sean Payton who is coaching Drew Brees, who has a Super Bowl championship. Like, if that guy thinks you're the quarterback of the future, that's really validating praise. And so I think that that was big for Taysom Hill and for all of BYU 
to hear that and watch that happen. And then it was fun to watch all of the Texas fans chime in on what oh, was happening and reliving nightmare. the nightmares that were brought to them by yeah. Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is Voldemort. Including Texas. Bomani Jones, who said, I heard his name and I still shuddered. Who <laughs> 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 was a big Texas fan and obviously a prominent media personality. So I think because of the buzz that was created, he was trending nationally. Like that that's quite a weekend for Taysom Hill. <laughs> Quarterback gets in on special teams. Like, any time a quarterback does a non-quarterback thing, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The quarterback blocks like a normal football player. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Really fun. Okay, we like the NFL, guys. Let's discuss what else happened. How about McKay Cannon, who had the BYU Sports Nation karma? Right, McKay who? McKay Cannon. Yeah. Right, there he is. And he let off of a few cannon blasts in Logan in that win over Utah State. 17 points. He continues to be a game changer for BYU. I did not see this coming. I and Yoli Childs, by the way, a ho hum, seventeen points and eight rebounds. McKay Cannon is coming off the bench, and he is playing really good basketball. He has changed the season. Yes, for BYU. I think that the ceiling has gone up, or as Michael Jordan said, the ceiling is the roof. That doesn't make any sense. His airness. The ceiling is the roof. What? <laughs> As McKay Cannon has 17 points in this game. Coming up, I'll tell you why I think McKay Cannon has changed the season. But he continues to ball out. And that's a good win. Listen, Utah State is not the same Utah State they've, they used to be. They haven't made the tournament since 2011. This is a good win on the road. At UVU, good win. UVU, UVU stinks. They're going to be like third or fourth in the WAC, right? I, mean, I hope they win the WAC. But still, after last year, nice win on Wednesday. Saturday in Logan, always a tough game. Not good to miss your first 10 threes. BYU should have trailed by 20 in that game. Never did because the defense is a thing. Second tiered win for BYU, according to Ken Pomeroy, the stats basketball guru at the collegiate level. So that's, that's a quality win on the road in a tough place to play. For Brigham. Now, it's, not on the, it's not quality for the NCAA tournament oh, resume, For BYU. But it's, yes, yes. It, it's a quality win because you're building with a young group. There are no seniors. But this, this team is growing, getting better. To me, next year is the year where you're like, we're making a push for the NCAA tournament. This year is, let's see if we can get bubblicious and just make it interesting late. Well, they're off to a good start. And McKay Cannon, and I know that you'll probably uh, reiterate some of the things I'm about to say, but the fact that he can defend on ball and become an alpha male defensively for this BYU team is really, really important. People gravitate to him on his team because he's fearless, man. He will go at anybody. He will jaw at anybody. BYU doesn't have a guy like him, and so to get him on the floor, he's a natural leader. And BYU didn't have one of those. They don't have a guy like McKay Cannon, and we didn't know that until he got on the floor. Yeah, exactly. We, we need to see this happen. And, and don't overblow this following statement. He's got a little Jimmer gene in him, meaning smaller, shorter white guy, from a small town, trying to trying to play good ball. I'm not saying he's going for 28 a game and winning national play of the year. I'm just the Jimmer Gene of those attributes uh, rises to challenges. He changed the dynamic of the season. Jashir Hardnett is making his impact on this team as well on the defensive end. He's averaging like two assists a game. It's not a high number. It's not a high number, but he's playing good defense. Oh, he's a pest. Yoli man. Childs gets an early foul in that game. He does not pick up a second. Yoli Childs is playing without fouling. Elijah Bryant uh, hits a couple of threes in the second half. So, nice win for the Hoops uh, team. And BYU gets another win. 
Wednesday, Illinois State. Saturday, uh, Weber State in Salt Lake uh, for the Beehive Classic. That is a the, these are two big games again. Weber State, third best team in the state. Like that, they're better than Utah State. They already beat Utah State. Weber State's a good game. Illinois State's a good game. So another big week for BYU hoops. We've laid out our options: McKay Cannon, Yoli Childs, Ronnie Jones Perry for BYU women's volleyball, who knocked off another top twenty-five opponent to get to the Sweet Sixteen. Jamal Williams, Taysom Hill. What do you think, BYU Sports Nation? Answer today's Twitter question. Which BYU Cougar, past or present, had the best weekend? At CL underscore living. Brings up a name we haven't mentioned. Mary Lake dug her team to the Sweet 16. Defender of the year in the league. She was crazy good as well. Coming up, ESPN's Trevor Manich on BYU's new offensive coordinator. And did the committee get the playoff picks right? Mark Durant will also join us. He called the exact final score in Logan. What is this wizardry? Stay with us. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Our conversation happening right now on Twitter. It's simple. Follow at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Tomorrow, BYU Basketball with Dave Rose is live at 8 p.m. Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Player guest tomorrow, TJ Haas. If you're local and you want to hang out, go to BYUCougars.com slash Rose Show to reserve your seats. Also, this just in, the BYU versus St. Mary's game time on Saturday, December 30th in Provo. Set for 4 Eastern time on ESPNU. If ever there were a reason to come back from Christmas vacation early, students, St. Mary's is it. Let's go. Oh, it'll be packed whether there's students in town or not. (sighs) BYU always brings it for that game. And Gonzaga. I want to have a new St. Mary's face after this year's game in Provo. Okay? I want it to be a happy face. That'd be nice. I think BYU matches up more with St. Mary's. I want it to be an awkward Sean Payton smile. Okay? Which BYU Cougar past or present had the best weekend? Hashtag BYUSN. At the Papa Links, Rory Linkletter, what's up, man? Says, mention Aiden Troutner. And BYU Track and Field tweeted this out. Future BYU Cougar Aiden Troutner from Timview High School wins the Nike Cross Country National Championship individual title. That makes the last three Nike individual champions, Casey Klinger did it twice, BYU Cougars. Okay. Uh, wow, at Stone. Utah Valley producing. American Fork and now Tempio. Nicely done. BYU men's cross country finished third in the country this past season. Uh, epic season, but they have their sights set on higher things. Slinger goes on a mission, by the way. So and that, here, that certainly affects And here the comes team. Troutner, hopefully. But they're loaded. They got all <laughs> kinds of guys there. Yeah, look at that. Absolutely. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is our good friend, former BYU basketball standout, current BYU basketball analyst on BYU Radio with the one and only Greg Rebell. His name is Mark Durant. Mark, happy Monday, man. Well, <clears throat> I wish I was down there with you rather than uh, working uh, at my big-time lawyer job, but uh, it's nice to talk with you guys. Uh, you guys are the best. You're my friends. I'm always happy to be on. Okay, let's uh, let's just talk about the elephant in the room right now, which is the fact that you predicted the score. You always send out a tweet. <laughs> it's always fun. It's always, you know, generally wrong. But this one, you <laughs> nailed it. You nailed it. How did you do it? Well, I'm, I'm not saying I'm a prophet, 
but I'm not not saying it uh, <laughs> because that that was uh, that was pretty impressive. You know, I I'm pretty good at the basketball stuff. I I can generally kind of figure out the type of team BYU's playing. I know BYU so well. I can kind of get BYU score. Sometimes it's harder for me with the opponent, but. I knew it would be kind of be hard to score up there for BYU, so I, I brought their score down a little bit, and I thought, I think it's going to kind of be close, but at the end, BYU's going to shoot some free throws and maybe get a little bit of a lead. So I just settled in on that score and uh, then completely forgot that I had even uh, predicted that score. And then after the <laughs> game, I'm just kind of looking looking at my tweet, and I look up at the scoreboard, look down at my tweet, and I, well, wait a second, <laughs> that's exactly right. So it, it was fun. I've done that one time before. But I, I can usually get pretty close on the basketball. Football, I, I can make no guarantees, especially this year. All right, Mark Durant, uh, not a prophet, or is he with us on BYU? <laughs> I'm not going there. Jeez. <laughs> Why was the win at Utah State a good win for BYU? Well, one reason is because uh, I think Utah State is uh, pretty good. McEwen, who has been out, makes them a very good team. And then just, you know, going up to the spectrum, is it's crazy, man. And as a player, it was uh, wild, and the fans or the, the student section there is, you know, a lot of people ask me uh, what was the hardest place to play. And, uh, you know, you, you think the pit or maybe up at Wyoming or the Huntsman Center. No, my my answer was always the spectrum because those those guys are right down on you, and they're wild and crazy, and uh, they say – bad things, which I love. I mean, I, I love that that attitude, and it makes it extremely tough to play there. I remember shooting free throws, and they'd roll out the, the bikini-clad ladies, and of course, I'm, I made the free throws. That, that kind of thing wouldn't distract me, of course, but <laughs> I, I mean, it's just fun, and, uh, and, and Zach Selye shoots an air ball, and he has to take it out of bounds right in front of the student section, and <laughs> 5,000 Students pointing at him, yelling "air ball" right in his ear. It's just—I mean, it's, it's funny. It's fun, and it's a great environment. I, I, I liked how BYU guys kind of embraced it. And Elijah was giving the old, you know, shush sign with the finger, and McKay did that as well. And Elijah Bryant, when he fouled out, wouldn't sit down, wouldn't give the fans the satisfaction of, you know, telling them to sit down at the end of the left-right chant. And, you know, I like that. I like that attitude that BYU just gave it right back to those guys, and that's the kind of attitude you have to have because it can really overwhelm you. And I think at the start of that game did a little bit. I think a couple guys were a little bit flustered and frazzled, and you only score, what, seven points in the first 12 minutes. And and it's tough, and you kind of got to get your head around it, but I think BYU did a good job finally recovering and, and uh, taking it right back at the, those fans, and it was just a great, fun basketball environment. That's what college basketball should be about and it was a uh, it was fun uh, regardless whether BYU won that game it was fun to just be a part of that experience it was the biggest event in Logan since the great milk off of 1987 <laughs> uh BYU is a team that defends now like this is we knew that BYU was trying to be different and we were told this the last two years with BYU's defense it didn't happen this BYU team defends and when the, you go 0 for 10 from three in the first half you don't get down by 15 or 20. You trail by 8 or 9, and you stay in this game. How is BYU, and what are you seeing, uh, is the main difference defensively for the Cougars? Well, you're right. I mean, if if you score in 
seven points in 10 minutes, uh, you know, even last year, you're down 30 to seven and you're out of the game. And uh, BYU, notwithstanding how poorly they were shooting, uh, were in the game because of their defense and, and was making it tough on Utah State. So, and, and I think you look at Princeton and even uh, UMass and Alabama. I mean, they shot awfully from the three-point line, able to come back and beat UMass and were actually, you know, within shouting distance of Alabama because of their defense. Now, who knows the reasons? What I do see are, are a lot more fundamentals. Uh, last year, you see guys flying at three-point shooters, you know, 20 times a game. And if you're having to run at a three-point shooter and jump to try and block a three-point shot, that means you're behind in your defense, you're out of position, and you're scrambling. And the BYU is doing a much better job not helping too much off shooters so they can recover in time on the shot and even prevent the shot from going. But three-point numbers are way down for teams shooting against BYU. And so the fundamentals are much better, not helping as much, better rotation on defense, and you've got better defenders out on the perimeter for one. Uh, Jasheer Hardnett much quicker, can guard his man better one-on-one. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, all these things kind of go into it, but it's, it's, a, it's a mindset. You guys know uh, it's hard to play defense. You have to take pride in it, and it needs to be a focus of what you're trying to do. Uh, I think Heath Schroyer coming in, that's a big part of it. He's a hes a taskmaster. He gets after people. He holds people accountable. Not that the previous coaches weren't, but, I mean, he's a fiery guy, and so you you know you better perform or he's going to get in your face. And uh, But the team just seems to have grasped the concept that, hey, we, we can play good defense, and that's going to help us win games. And it's been fun for me to watch as a defensive guy uh, it was so frustrating at times last few years to to see teams scoring over 100 points on BYU's home floor. I mean, so how can this possibly be? I, I can't I can't abide it any any longer. And so it's fun for me to see BYU winning games where teams are scoring 66 points or 50, in the 50s. And and even though BYU doesn't shoot the ball particularly well, which is you know I don't know how much of a concern it is at this point or not because it's kind of up and down with the shooting, but you know you can at least be in every game regardless of how you're playing offensively because you're playing good defense and you'll have a chance to win at the end. So that makes me very, very happy as a defensive guy. BYU basketball alumnus, big-time lawyer, and BYU basketball radio analyst Mark Durant with us on BYU Sports Nation. You brought up the fact that BYU is winning some ugly games, and we're starting to see this trend develop, whether it be at Princeton or against UMass coming down or coming back from 10 points down in the final four minutes or the win at Utah State. In your mind, what is BYU's best win of the season? Uh, good question. I think uh, – yeah. It may not have been their most difficult, but I think that the most important so far was the, the UVU game because they'd come off uh, a decent showing. They had a miraculous comeback against UMass. That was probably the most important five minutes because uh, that kind of maybe helped lead into the UVU game. But here you go, a team that thr- throttled you at, at your, on your home floor last year, make, made you look silly, and you're in their place. It's their biggest game ever. It's packed. Uh, and they, you know, it's an exciting night for them and they, you know, they're going to come at you. The fans are going crazy and BYU came out with such a mental toughness and, and they were so ready to go in that game dominated from the tip. And it's kind of just said, listen, that was a fluke last year. We're a good basketball team. We're tough. It's not going to happen tonight. And I think that attitude 
on the road. Uh, I know they had the Princeton win, but to do that in that type of environment situation tells me a lot about this team. Because as you know, winning on the road is extremely difficult. And even if you're a good team, there's there's kind of a scale of good teams. And some good some teams are good and they'll win all their games at home, but then struggle on the road. If you can be a team that wins most of your games on the road, then you're really good because that's hard to do. And they got it done at UVU, carried that same attitude over to Utah State, two of the toughest places you want to play. I know it's not Duke you're playing on the road. We all know that, but this team needs confidence. They need establishing mental toughness, and I think they did that on two very difficult road games uh, in two tough environments. So uh, I think that was – BYU's kind of been up and down. They're playing all right, but that UVU game showed me the mental toughness that this team has, and if they can keep that going, they'll be very hard to to beat. Whether you're on your home floor or away, BYU is – you know you're going to have a challenge to beat BYU. Let's talk about McKay Cannon. Wednesday, kind of out of the blue, he's suddenly eligible and injects his uh, production into this team. Six assists, a team high on Wednesday. Then it was points. It was 17 points tied for a team high on Saturday. What kind of energy and production does he bring to the team, and how does he maybe change this team? Well, Jam, to be honest with you, I hardly knew McKay Cannon existed. Uh, I vaguely remember him playing against BYU. I know BYU signed him, and I thought, well, that's that's nice, whatever. And he was off my radar. I didn't even think he was playing this year. He even had a chance to play this year. And then he's warming up at the UVU game. I thought, well, okay, that's good. I mean, it's nice to have another guy there. Maybe he can be a shooter, which BYU needs, and he'll get a couple minutes here and there. And, wow, he has just been fantastic. I, I love him. I just, <laughs> I've never been more excited about a player. And I know it's early, and we've got to give him some time, but everything he's doing I love. His, his toughness, his poise. Uh, talk about the UVU game. He came out, wasn't even phased, hit a big shot, was playing great. Uh, he has leadership skills. He has experience, which BYU desperately needs. He can shoot the three, which they desperately need. He's very quick. He's like Jasheer in ability to, to move laterally and get in the paint and dish and score and I mean, it's just been so helpful for BYU to have another player like that. And in a in the last few years, guys, when it seemed like every news was bad news, every you know injuries and uh, all that. Finally, BYU gets some good news where they get an influx of talent unexpectedly, and he has been fantastic. And I love his attitude and how he he kind of taunts other players and other fans. And I I just love guys that are mentally tough and aren't you know show poise and all those things there's nothing bad so far that i've seen from mckay and he's, he's just been such a pleasant surprise and i'm excited to see what he can do to help this team mark you are the pleasant surprise for us here in studio b and byu sports nation <laughs> thanks thanks for the time man anytime guys i'll just wait for my payment the, the sports nation gear any t- any day now christmas is coming you know you that's, got it. That's easy. Our legal counsel, Mark Durant. <laughs> All right, brother. See you later. Thanks, Mark. On the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. But Kate Cannon played 31 minutes Saturday. 31 off the bench. But it matters who starts, Jerem. Nope. It matters who wins. Exactly. No, he's, oh, man, he's just changed the game. And uh, coming up uh, in about 15 minutes, I'll tell you why I think 
The ceiling for this team has changed because of McKay Cannon. The ceiling is the roof, right? What, Michael Jordan? <laughs> Are you serious? Hey, coming up, the immediate impact of McKay Cannon. And it has been immediate, like a cannon blast. Also, ESPN's Trevor Maddich. Who does he think needs to be the next BYU offensive coordinator? And did Ty Detmer deserve more time? BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by Tecano's Brazilian Grill. Escape the ordinary. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio. Nationally simulcast on BYU TV. We are on demand anytime, anywhere. BYU beat Utah State. Now they're on to Illinois State Wednesday night in hoops, uh, 9 Eastern time on BYU TV. Pre-game on BYU Radio starts at 8 Eastern time. Illinois State, a team that just barely... Uh, wasn't in March Madness last year, so this is a potential top 100 game for BYU. They said they needed to schedule harder, come play in Provo. Yeah, so it's not. I know it's not a big name, but this is a, this is a nice game for BYU and Provo. They will take on a BYU men's basketball team that is now six and two after a win in Logan against Utah State, 75-66. Yoli Childs and McKay Cannon each had 17 points. That'll never get old. Get that gunpowder back in there just in case we need another one. Yoli Childs had a ho-hum eight rebounds as well. Wasn't a double-double, so I was disappointed. Women's volleyball advanced to its sixth straight Sweet 16 with a sweep of Oregon in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Led by Copper Hill's finest, Ronnie Jones-Perry. 27 kills in three sets. I've been calling volleyball matches for 10 years. I've never seen that or even heard that. That's crazy. She could do no wrong. It was crazy. That's amazing. Crazy. Congratulations to uh, Ronnie Perry, BYU Women's Volleyball, and Heather Olmstead on to the Sweet 16. Jamal Williams had a career day in the NFL, 21 carries, 113 yards as the feature running back for the Green Bay Packers. He also scored a touchdown. And Taysom Hill had two tackles for the Saints as well as a disrupted punt. Huh? That's an official stat now. We're making that up. And a Saints win over Carolina. Taysom Hill got in on special teams. Has there, has there been a more celebrated special teams player? Say it as Bill Walton. Has there been a more celebrated special teams player than Taysom Hill? Unbelievable. In the history of Western civilization. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, a celebrated analyst of the college football and national champion from ESPN, Trevor Maddich. Trevor, happy Monday, man. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good morning. What was your initial reaction last Monday when you learned that Ty Detmer had been relieved of his offensive coordinator duties at BYU. Man, I was saddened. I know that there's got to be accountability because of the, the nature of what happened last year on offense, but I don't think you can pin it really on Ty Detmer. I think that last year he showed you that he can coach the up-tempo running quarterback style with Taysom, with Taysom Hill and then Jamal Williams running the ball. This year he didn't have those guys, and he shifted back to what he really wanted to do, which is a drop-back pro-style passing game, which will work in college football as long as you've got the people to do it. Problem is that he had a whole bunch of injuries at quarterback and running back to start with, and it, it changed what he could do. It changed the execution of the offense, and it made it easier for defenses to defend him because of all those injured guys. And so he wasn't able to really transition back to what they were doing last year because the only quarterback on the roster that could do it was Bo Hodge. And when he got in there against Utah State, he got hurt. So I think all these things were a perfect storm that conspired against the BYU offense having a chance to really maximize its potential. And somebody has to pay the price. And Ty Detmer has been around football long enough to know that when you're the offensive coordinator, that's where the buck stops. 
Someone had to take the fall, and it ends up being BYU's only Heisman Trophy winner uh, in Ty Demmer. It's kind of a weird deal, Trevor, because there's this emotional connection for every single BYU fan to Ty Detmer, yet Ty the player to me is different than Ty the coach, yet I was still surprised as well. Yes, and I think BYU fans should be very careful how to, how to evaluate Ty Detmer as a coach. I think it's easy to say great player, failure as a coordinator, but don't say he's a great player. He, he was an outstanding coordinator last year. This year, he didn't all of a sudden forget how to coach. So I think it's important for people to understand that Ty Detmer is a, is a class act. He's a guy that loves BYU and will only do and say the right things. And I think he's kind of taking one for the team here by not speaking out about certain things that I have mentioned. And I think that's another reason why fans need to look at Ty Detmer with nothing but respect and admiration, even though last year did not go well. ESPN's Trevor Maddich with us on BYU Sports Nation. Whoever the new offensive coordinator is in Provo, what do you feel needs to be at the top of their attribute list? Well, the top of the list is to be a teacher. You've got to be able to teach the game, not just the scheme, but how to execute the fundamentals of football. You've got to be able to teach that not just to the players, but to your assistant coaches, because they need to be on the same page as well with what you're trying to do. In other words, if the offensive coordinator has a certain scheme, the offensive line coach needs to make sure the techniques he's teaching fit that scheme. So that's one of the attributes. He needs to be creative to be able to adapt to personnel. Uh, different personnel require different different you know, circumstances and different kinds of play calling from the offensive coordinator. But I think ultimately it's an opportunity for Kalani Sataki, the head coach, to decide who they want to be offensively. Because all of a sudden now he can choose if they want to remain with the pro style or if they want to go to the up-tempo spread running quarterback style that they were a year ago and that most of college football is doing now. And whoever is the offensive coordinator, Whoever he comes in, they should make sure that the decision is made with a long-term perspective and not a short-term perspective. Because if they do decide to go with the running quarterback style, next year they don't have the guys that can, that can really do that very well except for Hodge. So the, the new offensive coordinator will need to still adapt to more of a pocket passing style as he transitions into what he really wants to do, if that's what Kalani Sitaki wants the identity to be. So really, to me, the big-picture thing here is we have a real opportunity to see what vision Kalani Sitaki wants for BYU offense in the long term going forward. Trevor, I don't know if there is a long-term. If BYU is going to fire uh, or relieve Ty Detmer of his offensive co- uh, coordinator duties, to me it seems like the leash is pretty short in the long term should BYU struggle. So does BYU need immediate results this next year, like make a bowl game? You know, make a, that would be nice, but BYU's history, especially with head coaches, is to stay with them and commit to them long-term. There's a couple of reasons for that. I think BYU understands that the mission of the football team is integrated with the mission of the university and of the church to be ambassadors for what they all stand for. And there are very few potential head coaches alive on the planet today that would even qualify to be the BYU head coach, much less be good enough to actually get the job. So I think BYU is slow to to put the hook to a head coach, and I truthfully think that Kalani Sataki is the right man and the right coach going forward long term. I can see him, if he can get through this time of turmoil and get that offense settled down and going, 
I can see him being here for 10 or 20 years if he wants to. I think he is that good, and I think he has that kind of potential. And BYU is not quick to, to dump coaches because of a bad season. Number one item on the agenda list, obviously, for BYU football is to lock in their offensive coordinator. We'll see how the position coaches fall after that. High on your list of agenda items is the college football playoff, Trevor. Quite simply, did the committee get it right with the four teams they put in? Well, they did get the best four teams. You know, the big controversy was Ohio State versus Alabama. And Alabama's the better team. I think the Alabama-Clemson matchup in the semifinal in the Rose Bowl is a dream matchup. Yes. And even saying that, I think the committee got it wrong. <laughs> okay. Because in order to put Alabama in, they had to sacrifice something else. And you've got advantages and disadvantages for both of those teams. So let's, let's look at what they sacrificed. The advantage of Alabama was that they only had one loss, even though they didn't win their own conference. Ohio State had two losses. Now, if the Buckeyes had three losses... I wouldn't be saying what I'm about to say, but two losses compared to one is right there neck and neck. The second loss for Ohio State was a bad loss getting blown out by unranked Iowa. So that's in favor of Alabama. But on the Ohio State side of the ledger, they have two advantages. One is that they beat three teams that are better than anybody that Alabama beat this year, according to the committee. The second advantage is that they won their conference, their Big Ten champs. So you've got to decide which is more important to you, conference champion and three higher-quality wins or that one bad loss. And I think that the committee last year by putting Ohio State in as a non-champ over champion Penn State, and then this year doing what they did, I think they are diminishing the value of conference championships. I think they've made conference championship races largely irrelevant on the national level, and I think that's sad for college football. Because now, if you're not in the playoff, you know, people don't really care. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, we won our conference, but we're not in the playoff. That's the way it is now. If they expand to eight, and now I am firmly in the camp yes. of expanding to eight. Because if they expand to eight, you get five power five champions plus three at large. That means that, for example, Stanford in the Pac-12 this year with three losses, if they had beat USC, they're in regardless of the three losses. And then a team like an Alabama has a chance to get in at 11-1 without winning their conference as well. But what that does is maintains the value of conference championship races. It keeps people in every region of the country passionately interested in what's happening, not just as a regional sideshow, but from a national impact. And that, to me, is better for college football. This whole concept of get the four best teams in, regardless of whether they win their conference, that, that's fine, but at what expense? The expense has been, according to the committee spokesman, over the last two years, they have said that conference championship is a tiebreaker to use only at the very end of the process, only if you can't differentiate teams by other means. I think that's, that's not an expense I'm willing to pay. I think that conference championships must be respected, even at the expense of maybe having a team in that might not be the best team because it's better for college football. Therefore, I think that they got the better team in with Alabama over Ohio State. But I don't think Alabama's unequivocally better than Ohio State, and I think the conference championship devaluation is something I wish had not happened. Mm. 
It's a harsh reality for teams like Ohio State and even Penn State last year. Trevor, fascinating stuff. We appreciate the national insight, and we are very, very anxiously awaiting what happens when the college football realignment with the TV rights happens in 2024 to see how all of this goes down. Yep, and, and in saying all that, guys, let me let me just. This is important. I respect the committee as a whole. I respect each individual member, and I think they are doing their very best, uh, and and they're doing it with great integrity. I just take, uh, I just see differently the criteria that they value. That that's where I stand. Clearly understood, Trevor. We appreciate the time. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, thanks, guys. ESPN's Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Yeah, I like the expansion date, too, but there's some questions there that need to be answered. Coming up, Kyle Collinsworth messed around and got a double-double. And did Jim or Fredette go for 50-plus again? I see what you did there with Kyle Collinsworth. And why McKay Cannon is just what the doctor ordered for BYU hoops. Hashtag Karma Boost. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Our daily rebroadcast airs weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. And if you miss anything in the first 47 minutes, then you should probably download the podcast or watch the rebroadcast. BYU Basketball with Dave Rose is tomorrow at 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The player guest is TJ Hawes. If you're local you want to come hang out in studio for the show, go to BYUcougars.com slash Rose Show to reserve your seats. We've been asking you which BYU Cougar, past or present, had the best weekend. One of those players being brought up quite often is McKay Cannon, who has played all of two games for BYU Basketball and is crushing it. Which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Okay, Cannon is shooting 67% from the field and 75% from three. So okay. Six of nine, three of four. He's 10 of 10 from the line, by the way. All 10 free throws coming in Logan. I have that Sorry, as excellent, eight, eight of those 10. I have that as excellent. Yes, it's most excellent. Yeah, he's playing good ball, man. He's been a uh, huge surprise. And in a year where you don't have Nick Emery, look who's replaced him on the guard line. He McKay has Cannon become, has replaced Nick Emery. He has become an alpha male on this BYU basketball team because of his demeanor and his play backs it up. And he's a walk-on, by the way. He chose to come to BYU, pay his own way. He was on the show earlier in the week, Thursday, after Wednesday's win, by the way. So he gets the karma. He goes for 17 and Logan. Not a coincidence. He had to drive himself to the shoot-around because the walk-ons can't be on the bus. At Utah Valley. <laughs> what? Well, now he's on the bus. And oh, he's on the bus. He's driving the bus right now. now he's, he's, yeah, he's sitting in the front of the bus. Yeah. Absolutely. He's saying sit down, and then he's, he's yelling at kids to, you know how those windows are awkward because you have to push in at the same time, like the two, and then slide them up or something? He's that. the one yelling at everyone to do that. <laughs> he's like, Luke, put your window down, man. <laughs> Why BYU's on a yellow bus? I have no idea. What kind of an impact can McKay Cannon really have on this BYU team moving forward? He provides depth. I think that BYU can challenge, can, can challenge for second in the league because Cannon now brings you another guy off the bench, a capable defender, a good shooter, a good free throw shooter. I think he's the piece that BYU missed. When Nick Emery wasn't playing as well as he could play due to personal reasons, as we learned and became public, then, then BYU wasn't the same, right? To start the season, it was like, BYU's like seven and a half deep right now. Now BYU's eight and a half deep. 
another guard, another shooter, another defender, as I mentioned. To me, he changes where BYU can go this season. I still th- think this is a season to learn and grow and build the schemes and get better. I don't think it's an NCAA tournament year, although I think if BYU gets bubblicious and is in the convo, Things can get that weird. would be great. Let's get weird, man. Let's get weird. That's one of our that's our 17th you know, show uh, motto for us here. I think that he provides the, the Nick Emery spot two years ago. I think he's that kind of guy. He may not be a starter. Maybe he's a starter later. Who knows? But he's, you need bench depth and guys like McKay Cannon off the bench. Who's the guy that will get in his teammates' face and pump them up and get them going and make a play and become that leader on the floor? He has that written all over him. Yeah. Yoli Childs is the vocal leader of this team, in my opinion. But it's nice to have more guys holding more guys accountable. It's good. It's good for the group. Jasheer Hardnett also has that mentality where he expects the best from his teammates and from himself and holds himself to that standard. So it's just nice to see that change in mentality from not just a guy but multiple guys on this BYU basketball team. And McKay Cannon has been a revelation. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, is he, is he going to average you know 10-5 and five all year? I, I don't know. Probably I, not. I don't think that it matters. But he does a lot of things that will never show up. We see that in a game he can have six assists. He did that Wednesday. He can Nine. score 17 points. He can score 17 points. Like, I won't be we'll – be, you'd be shocked if McKay Cannon scores 20 in the next no. six games? No. Somewhere. We said early in the season, like, one of five or six guys could lead this BYU basketball team in scoring. McKay Cannon has added his name to that list. Yes. And uh, Yoli Childs is your team leader at 16.9. Elijah Bryant, 16.5. And then it's only been two games. But McKay Cannon is third on the team right now. T.J. Haas' shot is not going down. It will. Uh, yeah. He, T.J. Haas right now is shooting 32%. That's a really low number for him. It'll get. It's bigger. nice to have some pressure taken off the shoulders if you're TJ Haas with the emergence of McKay Cannon and Eli Bryant and Yoli Childs holding it down. Like that helps. Yes. There's some depth here now, which is nice. Coming up, Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill made news. We'll tell you what they did. Yes. They aren't the only NFL guys that used to wear a BYU uniform that are in the news, Jeremy. What about Daniel Sorensen, Kyle Van Noy, Michael Davis, Kai Nakua? Kai uh, Nakua and Davis played against each other. Ziggy Ansa, all in the Cougar Whip Round next. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Thanks to today's guests, Mark Durant and ESPN's Trevor Maddich. If you miss any of the show, you can always download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Coming up this week, Blaine Fowler, Lauren McLean with Between the Lines, Greg Rubel, and Steve Cleveland. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Men's Basketball. The Hoopsters went to Logan and came home with not only some quality milk and ice cream, but a victory as well. 75 66, Yoli Childs and McKay Cannon led the way, 17 points each. Yoli Childs had eight rebounds as well. Volleyball. Hey, don't forget the cheese curd, Jerem. Okay. The ladies of BYU Women's Volleyball advancing to a sixth consecutive Sweet 16 with a sweep of Oregon. In the second round of the NCAA tournament, led by Ronnie Jones-Perry, 27 kills in three sets. Cougars in the NFL. Jamal Williams had a career day with 21 carries, 113 rushing yards, and a touchdown and a partridge in a pear tree for the Green Bay Packers. Taysom Hill had two tackles for the Saints and a disrupted punt. That's the thing now. We made that up. In a New Orleans win against the Carolina Panthers, and Ziggy Ansah had five tackles in a 44-20 loss. To the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens are suddenly good. Daniel Sorensen had 11 tackles, half a tackle for loss, and a 38-31 loss to the Jets. Kyle Van Oy finished with three tackles, half a sack, half a tackle for loss, and a pass deflection 
in a 23-3 win against the Bills. Don't forget about Kai Nakua, who recorded his first career tackle in a 19-10 loss of the San Diego, excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers. And on the next play, former Cougar Michael Davis had a tackle of his own. They both wear number 43. They exchanged jerseys after. Yeah. Cougars overseas. Eric Meek had 11 points and 12 rebounds in Italy. Brandon Davies had 11 points and 11 rebounds in Lithuania. Kalani Purcell, 6 points, 8 rebounds, and 3 steals in a Melbourne Boomers win. Jen Hampson had 15 points, 9 rebounds in a Sydney Uniflames loss. Cougars in the association. Kind of. Kyle Collinsworth had 12 points and 12 rebounds in the G League for the Texas Legends. Jimmer! Fredette had 28 points, 5 assists, and 2 steals in a Shanghai Sharks loss. Women's basketball. Sub-30 is just disappointing, you know? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Women's Hoops lost to Colorado State 56-54 on Saturday. Cassie Broadhead led the Cougars with 19. BYU plays Weber State Wednesday afternoon. Swimming and diving. Senior Sean Western recorded a time of 15 minutes, 50 seconds, and 42 hundredths in the men's 1650-yard freestyle, dropping more than 10 seconds off his time during the final day of the Texas Invite. Senior Peyton Sorensen tied for ninth place in the men's 100-yard freestyle prelims with Olympian Townley Haas with a time of 43.45. Sorensen competed in the B finals, earning a time of 48.83 for eighth place in those finals. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. Help when you need the most, DexterLaw.com. Women's volleyball, sixth straight, sweet 16, best program on campus. They're rocking it. Beat Kentucky, who escaped Western Kentucky. They were down two sets to none. Had to win the final three just to get to play BYU. Mm. Win in Lexington. Which BYU Cougar past or present had the best weekend? That is our Twitter question today, our elite tweet of the day. From that, Kent underscore in underscore Utah. Ronnie Perry had a great weekend. <laughs> 40 kills, 8 digs, 4 aces, and 2 sweeps in the NCAA tournament to move the Cougars back to the Sweet 16 for a sixth year in a row. It was a great weekend. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN. The show is on demand on BYUSN.com. Audio podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and the TuneIn app. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Camry Willardson. BYU Sports Nation back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern.